0: Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today.
1: Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications.
0: Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, and I am the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach, as well as a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD.
1: We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing Mark Shepard. Welcome, Mark.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, before we jump into our topic of short notice training projects, which I'm sure none of us have ever had before. Never once, can, no. <laughs> you share, what this is. Can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners and viewers?
2: Sure. Uh, I, like a lot of other folks in learning and development, uh, have got a fairly eclectic background uh, and uh, found myself on this career path, um, which wasn't one I expected when I was doing aptitude tests in high school and, (laughs) uh, and things like that. Um, but, uh, I, I, I realized this year I've actually been at learning and development in some capacity or another for just over 35 years. Wow. Um, and, uh, it's been a pretty rich mix of environments to, to work in everything from, uh, from, uh, corporate IT training. I used to work for a major Microsoft training partner in, uh, in Toronto, uh, through to, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, work healthcare, um, IT, uh, environments in, one instance specifically, IT for healthcare, uh, through, wow. to, uh, through to through to military aviation maintenance training. So, wow,
1: uh, it's
2: been it's it, it's been a rich mix. Um, and uh, so, I've I've worked everywhere from uh, you know from being the uh, the solopreneur inside an organization to having you know having to. T- you know basically run a department of one uh through to being uh, part of really great teams in some environments and uh it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun I'm uh, currently on contract with uh, General Motors Canada uh, working in an engineering group uh, trying to formalize training for a couple of specific engineering disciplines.
1: Wow, so uh, you've probably had a lot of experience with short notice training projects. <laughs>
2: Just a few. Just, a, just few. a few,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I, th- with this topic, I mean, where, where do we need to go first with this? I,
2: I think the important thing for people to know is that short notice projects are going to happen. Um, and just so that we're all on the same kind of playing field, you know, a short notice project is one that I define mm-hmm. that's got a very, very short deadline Um so, uh, some folks say, well, does that mean that somebody should give me lots of lead time if I just need to spool up a quick reference guide? Mm, no. Um, <laughs> if they're asking for it, f- if they're asking for it in five minutes, yes. Uh, but, uh, but if you're being asked to do something that's, that's extensive, you're asked to be doing something that's interactive and it's got a pretty short deadline. That's what I classify as short notice and, and they do happen in some instances. These are situations that are, f- Forced upon you. Uh, for example, if you're in an industry that's dealing with uh, regulatory issues, and there's a, there's a regulatory change, yeah. or there's um, there's a shift in business strategy as a result of um, you know as a result of some kind of change in direction. Yeah, these things are going to happen. Uh, it's probably also fair to say that a lot of these things come from poor planning. Now, where the blame for that planning <laughs> resides, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but, uh, but in, in a number of cases, it is uh, it is a lack of planning, and and that sort of leads to a larger conversation about sort of where L and D fits in and 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 their presence in the business and and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, sometimes I, I think speaking in a, in what I'd like to hope is a safe space amongst. L&D folks is that, yeah, we don't always get the voice that we need to have. Um, We're often an afterthought for change initiatives and things like that. So Mm. um, like I said, that's a bigger discussion, but um, you're not going to get away from them. But there are things you can do to mitigate. There are conversations that you can engage in um, to help ensure that you're still providing the best possible solution in spite of pretty tight constraints.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. And in fact, that's actually where I wouldn't mind starting. So I realized there are are kind of two paths that we can navigate. And I suspect we're probably going to take both of them over the course of our conversation. One of them is certainly the, how do you do this? How do you take these short-term projects or these last-minute requests and turn them into something great? Because it certainly can be done. And I think a lot of us have probably done the best we could and maybe even got to mission accomplished on some of those. But The tougher one is how you handle the fact that you're getting these requests at all. So knowing that there are good cases where you're going to get them. I'd love to start with the cases where maybe there aren't such good reasons. Maybe it's more of (laughs) a, you know, like a a repeat offender who might stop by your (laughs) house and say, hey, Uh yeah, I need something from you in two weeks. I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts or maybe even strategies that you've used or seen work well for how to maybe uh, approach some of these behaviors, help to change some of these behaviors so that you might start Limiting some of these requests and give yourself the lead time you need.
2: That's a, I think that's a good place to start as yeah. well. Um, and one of the things that I've learned, particularly from, uh, you know, from speaking on, you know, from having spoken about this topic uh, in a number of uh, in a number of venues, is that you really need to learn to ask good questions when these requests mm. uh, come down the pipe, and those questions uh, can range to uh, anything from which of my current projects would you like me to pause so mm. that I can take this on? Oh, I love or, that. Or, um, uh, what are the risks if we don't mm. meet this arbitrary deadline? Yep. Um, that's, that's a big one. Uh, because we need to know what happens if it doesn't work the way it was requested. Um, and, and also, uh, what might the requester be willing to, I don't want to say sacrifice, but mm. what are they willing to live with in terms of outputs, uh, and, and eventual outcomes? Because of this uh, because of this short deadline, yeah. um, uh, you know, I think gentle pushback is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, we all have a lot of stuff going on and, and yeah. having having a little, um, you know, uh, having a little uh, bit of excitement like this dropped into your work schedule is uh, is is unfortunate. As I said, it's going to happen, but, um, you need to be able to roll with the, you need to be able to roll with the request, um, and, and see what's possible. And that, that's on the, that's sort of on the external side. On the internal side, one of the things that I learned, particularly, um, on the project that, that was the, that was the core of my talk, um, about learning from failure is that, um, you start to learn what's possible. When you're pushed, um, when you have no choice but to provide some measure of success, what are the things that can happen? And, and that's anything from uh, discovering that, let's say, procuring laptops for people to assist you with a project doesn't have to take three months of lead time. You can actually have them made available for you in a few days. Um y- you can also um, you can also say, hey, look, you know, we determined that we've got people who can assist us when we have projects like this. If everybody buys in and says, yes, this is absolutely uh, something that we need to do. How can I help? Mm-hmm. So there are some positives that, that can come out of it. Um, and it forces you to think really, uh, really creatively. And this is where I, I I'm really happy to have had background in design thinking and, and ideation and putting ideas forth to see what works and, and to really come up with, with some different ways to accomplish what you've been asked to do.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, and so jokingly uh, with my folks, I would normally say uh, training 911. How may we help you with your planning today? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But not jokingly, one of the other things uh, that I would uh, do is, is try almost to proactively reach out to those serial offenders. I want to get your thoughts on this too. Um, and, and, and see like, so monitor kind of the horizon, you know, like, yeah. um, oh, a, a new law just got enacted going and talking to that person. You know, are, is there any kind of training that you're planning on sending down the pike on this or, mm-hmm. you know, checking in with them on a regular basis? Yeah. Is there any training coming down that you think we need to be uh, aware of so we can start, gathering our resources that kind of thing I know what are your thoughts on that
2: that's that's very true um, and uh, and one of the other things that I would add to that is the concept of uh, sponsorship and advocacy for mm. learning and development um, if you're in a position to where you are you know sort of in the middle and trying to change things from the middle that's very difficult um, yeah. but if you have an advocate if you have a sponsor um, or you know you're perhaps part of a working group and in, in some respects you You can get people to start giving you a little bit more visibility into what's going on i mean where it's it's i don't want to use silo victimology as a as an excuse but it it certainly is a contributing factor to a lot of these kinds of uh, a lot of these kinds of things um in one memorable instance working for a provincial government entity uh here in ontario um i was approached about uh pulling together some training that was for a project release that was going to be happening in two weeks. This project had been going on for six or seven months. Oh and and it, was, it was the first I'd heard that this was that this was on the go and oh. that there was going to be a training requirement. And and he said, well, you can just pull some slides together, can't you? <laughs> oh,
0: wow. No.
2: <laughs> and. And you, you have to, you have to really bite your tongue at times. And, and I'm sure everybody's done this and say, please allow me to explain to you the way the training world works. <laughs> um, and, and one of the nice things about, about that is that I was able to use that as, um, as a bit of an advocacy push to say, get trading involved when you start your project, not. Mm-hmm. You know, two weeks before, two weeks before delivery, because <laughs> yeah. it takes it takes longer than you think uh, to pull stuff together, particularly if it's if it's new. Uh, yeah. And by the way, please do not expect your trainer to be the subject matter expert. That's yeah. mm. not that is not their remit. The only thing they should be a subject matter expert in is L and D. Mm.
0: I think that's a very fair assessment. I mean it it almost reminds me that a lot of times we're involuntary magicians. You know, we we, we seem to bring things together so well, but we really don't want to. We really no. would love a couple of months instead of a couple of weeks, but
2: oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the um on my contract for the uh, for the Royal Canadian Air Force, um, and I jokingly I jokingly say to people in the audience, particularly if I'm presenting outside of Canada, it's like, yes, we have one. Um, <laughs> we uh, uh, it was shortly before Christmas, and we received a a request. Uh, to be fulfilled for a whole bunch of gap training modules to be uh, developed and made available by the first of February. Uh. Now, this was shortly before a two-week Christmas block leave period. Of course,
0: well-timed, of course.
2: <laughs> and and we, uh, you know, we we said to the folks in Winnipeg who had sent us the uh, who had sent us the request, it's like, you know, we can do a good job for you, but you know, we're going to need more time to do this effectively. Um, They said in, in military speak, thank you for your feedback. The date stands. (laughs) so so, so, i mean when you're in a hierarchical environment a truly hierarchical environment like that i mean yes it's 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 gonna happen yeah um but you know on that project we were still in a position to pull off some some good stuff we had some great wins um and and uh the 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 tldr on that is that um i pulled together a team of people who had never worked on e-learning authoring before um Trained them on how to use the software for what we needed to do. And between the five of us with me playing lead ID and essentially art director, um, we produced, uh, you know, 29 pieces of e-learning in 14 working days.
0: Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh.
2: So, I mean, this, this, this all looked great. I mean, the, 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 the Wing Commander um, had comment written commendations for for everybody who was involved. And we thought this was actually really cool. Um, you know we got laptops out of it on short notice. We got people to help us on short notice and um, and you know there were a lot of people who were very much aligned in getting this project done. but <laughs> where this date became a problem was when the threshold knowledge test, which was required for this gap training, was issued. all twenty participants in the pilot failed the threshold knowledge test oh no yeah um so i mean there were there were a number of other factors that went into that um they were instead of following our guidance to say let people take this in their own time space it out integrate it with their work no they pulled them off the various shop floors and force fed them the e-learning modules over the course of five straight days. And then and then had them write the test. Oh. So uh so all of a sudden that 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 um, their their April 1st deadline for having this available for all the technicians who needed it across the Air Force, suddenly that date didn't matter anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. Isn't that funny?
2: Right. So yeah. um it's it was it was it was frustrating. Uh it was it was painful and professionally it's really hard to see something that you know is not going to end well actually become that yeah. you know that fulfilled prophecy um, and there's no nice way to say I told you so there really oh. isn't I mean <laughs> I, in, in that instance I took no joy in it yeah um, but um, you know we we eventually managed to get uh, some better traction and some sanity on the project and by the time I left they were moving uh, that contract uh, they were moving in the right direction but it still wasn't done Oh yeah. my gosh. So it,
0: it's one ooh. of the big challenges, I think. And especially, you know, you've, you've talked so much with us about managing expectations, which I think is just so core to any level of success. But you've also kind of got me thinking about what happens when you get to the point of saying, yes, you will take on this last minute request. You'll do the best you can. And, you know, it even makes me think about an experience I had. This was. Years ago, uh, but a, a manager of mine said that we could get, I think it was five modules out the door, and you know, they were lengthy e-learning modules, fifteen to twenty minutes each, in something like two and a half or three weeks. And there's that moment where, you know, I'm sitting at his desk and I'm like why did you say yes to this? This feels like our first mistake. Why would we do this? And, you know, it kind of gets me thinking, what are some of these common mistakes that you see teams make? Is it saying yes or over promising and under delivering? Or are there other, you know, kind of typical mistakes people make that perhaps they can be aware of so that they don't find themselves backed against the wall mm-hmm. trying to deliver on something that's just simply not possible with any level of quality?
2: I, I, I think the, The best umbrella that we can use for that is the concept of risk assessment. Ah, very Um, good. Do, if you're going to take it on. Yeah. You need to do a risk assessment for what this means for you and for your, you know, and for your team if you have one. Um, But you also need to work um, with, you know, your requester um, to look at. Um, you know, any gaps between their expectations, um, their drivers and what you are reasonably able to generate, uh, in that, uh, you know, in that stretch of time. Uh, and it's something that I picked up from working in, in heavily project managed environments is that without doing a good risk assessment and having a sense of the things that could potentially come to bite you and, and asking the question, what could happen if? Dot dot dot, mm-hmm. uh, and then where do you go from that if that does in fact come to pass? Yeah. Uh, so you you try to do as much forward planning as you as you can, and and you're absolutely right, Stephanie, that that we've all had instances where <laughs> where we've said, "Why did I take this? Why yeah. did I take <laughs> this on?" Yes, but it's it, it's also something that speaks to our ability to become better learners and to get out of comfort zones I a agree. little bit. Um, you know, we've all seen, we've all seen the various memes that say, you know, Hey, when you're outside your comfort zone, this is where the magic happens. Like, okay.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes. but, but, but if,
2: it could also be where Inbound. disaster happens, depending on how, uh-huh. d- depending on how far away the, uh, the comfort zone is in your rear view. Yes. Um, y- you, you, You want to be able to challenge yourself because, um, as painful as these things are to endure and to get through, um, you also have to look at them as opportunities. Now, uh, I'm, I'm as much of a cynic as the next person. Uh, my bumper sticker says in case of accident, I'm not surprised, Um, (laughs) but, but, uh, I, I try to look at it afterwards and and reflect on reflect on what's happened and um, at the time you know on that air Force project in particular I was not having a lot of fun it was it was it was long days uh, to mm-hmm. to get that stuff through now I look back at on it because I really had to think about what were the wins like I knew it wasn't all bad and I had to think critically about that and i and that approach is something I recommend to people who find themselves in these situations is that that, you know, where's the opportunity, where could you drive change, where could you drive innovation uh, in, in some of the processes? And if you're in a position to continue to tell those stories to people and say, look, here's what we did, here's what we accomplished, and here were the things that changed to make that happen, and can we look at changing some of those supporting things like you know, laptop provisioning or something like that, or, or, um, uh, you know, pulling task forces together and, and stuff like that. Find out why don't we do this all the time? Yeah. You know, yeah. why did it have to be, why did it have to be an emergency? Yeah.
1: I love the idea of risk assessment. Well, and of course, you know, pushing outside your comfort zone, not to the level of panic zone, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But within the comfort zone, that that stretch zone. Um, Although there are, I know there are some times where we absolutely have to say no uh, or we're going to do a, a poor job right. Or they're, they're heaping so much work on it's more than one person can handle or Mm -hmm. people whoever are involved. Any suggestions on how to say no, or to, to, to figure out where that boundary is, where you're enabling poor behavior, uh, (sighs) too much onto you kind of stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, part of, part of that. Solution is about actually ensuring that you've got a dialogue um, happening with people who yeah. are going to be sending, uh, who are going to be sending these things to you. Um, otherwise, you're you're essentially uh, turning yourself into an order taker. Yes. Um, yeah. which and we all know that is not the role that we want L and um to be exactly. to be performing inside all. an organization. But there are going to be times where you have to say no. But if you are going to say no, or I'll back that up. If you're going to be giving an answer that is perceived as no. Yes. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you've got the evidence to suggest why that can't happen. So it's like mini business case, lay it out properly, say, here's what's, you know, here's what's currently in place. Here's what's, here's what's the, here's what the ask is. Um, My interpretation of the outcomes. Here's the risk of what's, uh, of what could take place if this isn't given enough time, if it isn't given enough resources, you may not get the outcomes you want. Yeah. And engage in a little negotiation, um, in, in that, because again, this is about L and D's role within the business and its perceived value yeah. to the business. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, with saying I might not be able to take this on given these conditions but under this set of conditions we might be able to we might be able to make something work yeah nice and 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 that's why i always come back to um the deadlines like why help me understand why this deadline is so critical mm-hmm. um, what's the risk to us or to the learners or to uh, any other partners if this deadline isn't met, sometimes it's clearly laid out, particularly if it's something regulatory and, and all that kind of stuff. And e- even then there's often a little bit of room to negotiate takes longer, but, um, but there may be room to negotiate. Um, and sometimes there's not. And, uh, as a practitioner, you're going to have to accept that there's going to be times when you don't have a lot of wiggle room, yeah. um, and, and make sure that your requester understands the cost to what you're already doing to take yeah. on something and give it a much higher priority um, nice. than what you're doing. It may also be an opportunity to assess what it is you're currently doing and say, have I made this too complicated? You know, <laughs> yes. I'm building this course. Yeah. Does it maybe it just needs to be a reference guide? Those kinds of things. Yeah. So it's it it's certainly possible for you to do that. And that's why I I encourage people, particularly newer practitioners, to uh, to to not panic uh, about getting these things, there are opportunities, even if they're hard to see at the moment.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'd see opportunities for asking for more resources too.
0: There you yes. Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I I appreciate the fact that there's a lot of opportunity to be that value add that so yes. many of us aspire to be. And there are opportunities at every phase, including the intake process. The mm-hmm. person stops by your desk and says, can we do this? It's that opportunity to perhaps not push back but invite some appreciative inquiry into the process yes. tell me a little bit about your need and perhaps at that point there is that value to say based on this conversation maybe you don't need this right now let's do something else and build some time to get to mm-hmm. the product that you're looking for yeah i mean i i love it
2: and and that's the other thing is that is that um there are always a number of people who are in this, uh, who are in this conversation. You're going to have the requester. um, Mm -hmm. You're going to have potentially a buyer and you're also Mm -hmm. going to have a consumer. They may be three very different groups of people. Oh yeah. Uh, And, and without understanding those demographics and, and those roles um, that's, you know, you're going to find, you're going to find yourself stuck and, and any L and D practitioner, Who doesn't have a set of questions sort of ready to go when you get any kind of request? Yeah. Needs to be thinking about those questions and how they ask them, what answers they're expecting, how to probe deeper into uh, what the, what the request is and, and get to a little bit of root cause analysis. I'm not necessarily saying you have to go through like a whole massive needs analysis phase, you might have to short circuit that on short notice projects. And that's that's one of the costs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and accept people to live with the results. But if you're in a position to say. I've got five questions that I need to ask you at a minimum about this request. Yeah. You know, and and let's 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 have a let's have a conversation.
0: I think that is the secret, having a couple of great questions prepared that you can share with them. And I mean, I I guess that is a great segue into three (laughs) great final questions. that We (laughs) have prepared (laughs) questions. (laughs) And I I hate transitioning into this because I I have loved this conversation, but we are at the point where we Mm -hmm. present to you our final three questions of the day. We call these our rapid fire questions. They take No more than about 60 seconds or so to respond to. So, what do you think? Do you have three more answers that you're willing to share with us today? I think so. I'm thrilled to hear it because you're getting the questions anyway. So, (laughs) your first, your first question, give us one book that everyone must read and why?
2: Douglas Adams, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, thank you, and,
0: that's an all-time favorite, all-time. The favorite.
2: trilogy in five parts. Yes, um, <laughs> it's 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 been a favorite of mine since I first saw the uh, the BBC TV adaptation uh, yep. back in the in the early eighties. Yep. Uh, and the reason why I uh, I say this is not just because Douglas Adams was probably one of the most brilliant science fiction slash comedy writers uh, of his day, but the story still stands. Um, it talks about, um, you know, bureaucracies. It pokes mm-hmm. fun at, uh, at mindless decisions. It, uh, it <laughs> reminds us about um, what Douglas Adams called the fundamental interconnectedness of all things yeah. uh, and and how there's so much that connects people, whether they know it or even whether they want it or not. Um even to take a look at the rise of of AI and decision making that's taken out of our hands, um it's it it's worth a read and it's uh, arguably one of the funniest um <laughs> books and and you can you can listen to the BBC radio adaptation it's still available out there for people to oh, listen wow. to. Um uh Stephen Fry has done a narration uh yep. through uh through audiobooks. Um the uh um and the uh, you can still find the BBC TV adaptations and uh, of course the books are just the books are just great so it's uh, that say so if you've got to read one book that would be it
0: I I wholeheartedly agree. It's actually my favorite book of all time as well. In fact, when I was 10 years old, I stole it from my father's bookshelf and I'm much older than 10 now and it's on my bookshelf right down the hallway. <laughs> it's also the reason, by the way, that I always take a towel with me when I travel. Always know where your towel is.
2: Always know where your towel always. is.
0: Man, okay, that... I barely want to ask you the other questions. I am going to do it, but that's probably one of my favorite answers. Tell us about one tool that you can't live without.
2: I have a hard time narrowing it down. Uh, So I'm going to um, rely on the safety of distance and I'm going to give you two. Um, (laughs) I actually, one, if if I was pressed, um, a notebook and an erasable pen. Yep. um whether that is one of my um whether that's one of my smart books like a uh rocket book um mm-hmm. which i'm rather fond of um or whether it's just a a, a simple notebook with my pens i i Tend to live by, uh, pen and paper in spite of having all sorts of scheduling apps and all that kind of stuff. But, um, taking time to sketch out ideas, getting away from the technology for me, um, has been a, has been a plus. I think some of that goes to my graphic design background, Mm. coming up with new ideas, but I tend to be a, um, a visual, uh, thinker in that regard. And, uh, so that by extension leads me to the other tool that I find it very difficult to live without. And that is Miro. Uh, Um, The uh, the virtual whiteboard. Yep. Um, I have used Miro successfully in uh, in times when I'm doing um, planning for groups and I can take a picture of. The post its that are on the wall and pull them into a mural board that now everybody can share and comment on. Uh, it's one of the uh, one of the subscriptions that I pay for with my consulting business that is absolutely uh, you know cheap at twice the price.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I just invent or I I just invited a client to try it not too long ago and I think their world was changed and I'm very pleased about <laughs> yes. that. So it is. It's it's an incredible tool.
2: It is. It is absolutely.
0: Our last question for you today is: What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm.
2: Uh, 1988, I was a very young uh, instructor in the uh, in the Army Reserve uh, here in here in Canada um, at a uh, wonderful uh, garden resort called Canadian Forces Base Petawawa, and it was my I had taken my leadership course earlier that summer, and I was teaching. Um actually I was I was on the staff teaching basic officer training, which was you know quite a quite a thing for a you know twenty year old uh, twenty-year-old uh, newly minted instructor to uh to do. And uh the captain who was uh who was in charge of our course um you know certainly saw my enthusiasm for the task. Uh and uh he he said to me, he was actually a, a teacher in civilian life and he said, Don't be afraid to screw mm-hmm. up. Ooh. He said it's it it, it's going to happen striving you know essentially the message was that you know striving for perfection and then and then and then giving all over yourself because it didn't go as planned Mm. is not healthy um so accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes and just commit to learning from them but that little that little piece don't be afraid to screw up really changed my perspective on how i taught how i prepared for teaching, and how I looked at learning from feedback that I would receive on uh, on monitoring as a, as a as a young instructor, and something that like I carried on when I started teaching other people how to become instructors in the military. I gave them, I gave them exactly oh, the same
1: I love it. I do too. Oh, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Well no, thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation.
1: Are you interested in learning more about the Metro DC chapter of ATD? or following us on social media. Go to dcatd.org and click on About.
0: Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on Volunteer to get started.